Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. We are on. The Bible says, For there is no respect of persons with God. This is the fourth way or the fourth principle of God's judgment that we've come to in the second chapter of Romans. Verse number two, we saw the first way was according to truth. In verse number five, we saw the second principle was according to the accumulation of our guilt. Uh, in verse number six, we saw uh, his judgment is according to deeds. And then here uh, in the 11th verse, we see, for there is no respect of persons with God. In other words, the principle of God's judgment in Romans chapter 2, verse number 11, is that it's 100% impartial. He's an impartial judge. Matter of fact, that's the primary qualification even for a judge here on earth. It's extremely hard to do, though. They still have their worldview and they still have the laws to which they are to uphold, uh, to uphold that they have to be able to discern. So no judge down here can truly be 100 percent impartial, even even parents and grandparents. We see something our kids or grandkids do. Yes, we're to judge and, and make make correction on that. But even us, we, we can't be 100 percent impartial. 100% of the time. Not so a God. He's different. He's 100% impartial. Um, not only that, but cases that are heard down here, we can't, the judge can't know, the jury can't know, and so therefore by default, we can't know everything that there is to know about the case. But God does. And juries have to make decisions. Judges have to make decisions based on limited knowledge. But not the case with God. He's 100% impartial, and he, he knows all the details about the case. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So all of us, even if we're convinced in our own mind that we're special and we should be partial to god he says all have sinned and come short of his glory he's impartial whether or not you think like kids think they're the teacher's pet <laughs> gonna bring the teacher an apple every day you can bring god an apple every day it's not going to skew his view of who you are and who i am this world is full of sinners you're not going to impress god the Bible says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. Have you sinned? You're going to die. Your soul is going to die eternally if you don't trust Jesus Christ. Uh, on the other hand, anyone can be saved. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all who uh, believe. For there is no difference. So there's no difference in the fact that we're all sinners. We can't impress God. He's impartial. He doesn't respect who you are. You can bring him an apple a day. You're dying and going to hell if you don't trust him. But he's also impartial that the worst of a sinner can come to him 
and true repentance and faith, repentance and faith, and put their full trust in him, and he will save them. There's no difference. God's impartial. So I'd like to look and break down this idea of there is no respect of persons with God. And we see this through his character throughout the entire Bible. Let's start with the nation of Israel. And if you would, Deuteronomy chapter number 10, verse number 17. For the Lord your God is God of gods. That's little g gods. And Lord of lords, he's the Lord of the little l lords. He's the God of the little g gods. If God says he will save, in other words, it doesn't matter. Nobody can step in and destroy. If God, on the other hand, says he's going to judge and destroy, nobody can step in and overrule that and save. He's the God of gods and he is the Lord of lords. Verse number 17, a great God. <laughs> if you want to make America great again, it's not about getting Trump back into the election. It's about getting lost people into the elect. <laughs> that's, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's precious. He's elect. All those that are in him now have eternal life. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the elect. He is precious. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will not be confounded. You won't be confused. You, your, your vision, so to speak, won't be blurry. Your mind won't be cloudy. Believe on him. God of gods, Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible. Well, he's mighty to me. He's mighty to you. He's terrible to the lost. He's both. He's mighty to that nation when they obey. But he can certainly be terrible if they don't obey. You curse him. Which regardeth not persons. Do you see God bless, send rain, send sun on those that just hate him? He does. Nor taketh reward. Nobody's going to bribe God and talk him out of giving you and I or the nation their rightfully deserved punishment. He's no respecter of persons. When he says something, he means it. You can't bribe him. You're not going to give him reward. Did God give Moses the Ten Commandments? Did God tell Moses to give those commands to the nation of Israel? He did. But you know what? He also won't tolerate sin in their life. That nation couldn't bribe God and say, God, come on, we're special. We're chosen. You gave us the law. <laughs> no, sin is not going to go unpunished. He is no respecter of persons, even with the nation whom he gave the law. Because sin must be dealt with. It must, it must be punished. Well, come on, you, you know. God, he won't tolerate sin in all the other nations, but we're the nation of Israel. No, he's not going to respect that argument. You're not going to, that nation isn't going to bribe him with that argument. He's not going to tolerate sin in that nation either. So even back in the Old Testament, we see this character of God. He's not a respecter of persons. Why does this need to be mentioned in Romans chapter 2? Why is Paul penning this down through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? He's leading up to the Jew. And trying to show them that, that it's shocking truth to them. Why? 
They're hard-hearted. They are self-righteous. They think they're special because, well, we're not a Gentile. And God's trying to help them out through Paul's writing here. It doesn't matter who you are. Jews aren't going to get special preference from God because they're Jews. What do you do if you knock on the door this week or next week or next month and someone says, well, I'm a Jew? Okay, well, we'll see you later. Oh, you give them the same gospel you would give a Gentile. All right, let's go to the Gentile. Let's go to Acts chapter number 10. Acts chapter number 10. Peter's preaching to Cornelius. Now, Cornelius is an Italian, praise God. <laughs> he's a soldier, okay? And he's uncircumcised. And so we find, we're not going to go through this whole account, but that's the background of this. And we find out that Cornelius is on equal footing with the Jew. And in verse number 34, Peter says this, then Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. It's moving. Not it, 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 Look, this, this, is, this is for all nations. This is for all nations. There's a lot of preaching here, but what we're going to pull out, at least this morning, is the idea that God isn't going, well, we're Jew, we have the law. No. Well, we're a sect of the Pharisees. We're really in strict accord with the law. And God says, no. Well, I'm a Roman Catholic, and I have the one true church, and you got to come through. God says, no. He doesn't respect any of that. He doesn't respect any nation, any group, any individual that would bring something to him to try to bribe him. Well, I'm a fill-in-the-blank. How about you're just a sinner and just trusting God? That's about the only thing you should bring to him. Empty-handed. Nothing to offer. He's extending salvation to all other nations. It's real clear. God is not a respecter of a nation. We also see that principle applies in the church. Go to Galatians chapter number two, if you would. Uh, Galatians 2 verse number 6 But of these who seem to be somewhat <laughs> It's just people with a reputation They're a leader They're somebody in a local church They're somebody that has some type of rank And it says here But of those who seem to be somewhat Whatsoever they were It maketh no matter to me God accepteth no man's person for they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. God's not taking personal note of your rank or my rank, your position or my position in society or the perceived rank or position in the church and saying, well, since you're an influencer in town, we might as well make that guy a, an elder or a deacon or a treasurer or a just fill in the blank. God doesn't respect that. Our rank and our position, if we think we're somewhat, it doesn't matter with God. Because we are all equally saved. And I know this is hard for this world to understand, but yes, 
people grow at different levels. Some people are further down the road than others, if you would, if you would. In the Christian walk, in the Christian life, not in salvation. The most spiritual Christian in this town is still washed in the same blood, still saved the same way you and I were saved, still going to the same heaven of the same God. Okay, he might get different rewards, but his salvation's the same. I'm so terrible, I'm so bad. Okay, yeah, you are. Now get over it, because you ain't that special. People think they're special because they're so, you know, you, people tell their testimonies and, you know, look, you need to know, I need to know you were wicked and a sinner. I don't need to know everything that happened to you from 1980 to 2000, okay? We, we got 20 minutes to hear your testimony, or we got an hour for lunch. I don't need a decade worth of your sin, and you don't want that from me either. Look, God cares. But the fact of the matter is, we've all sinned. We've all sinned. And at least in Galatians 2, Paul's not going to compromise truth to accommodate a leader. Because he's not counting on any leaders for his authority. He got it from God. And God's judgment isn't partial to me because I'm a preacher. God's judgment isn't partial to you because you attend church every Sunday. He's impartial to the nation. He's impartial to all nations. He's impartial to church and church leadership. We can't bribe God with our rank, our position. Let's see what it says about masters and servants. Let's get Ephesians 6 and James 2. Be our next stop. James 2. And Ephesians 6, James chapter 2, and Ephesians chapter number 6. We'll do Ephesians first, Ephesians chapter number 6. All right, look at verse number 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and singleness of your heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. And ye masters do the same things unto them. Verses five through eight, we saw, okay. I'm a servant. Tell me what to do. Now, when he gets to verse number eight, nine, okay, you are a master. Now God's going to tell you what to do. Do the same things unto them. Forbearing, threatening. In other words, don't use your power to threaten somebody. That could go for church leaders. That could go for employers. That can go for any leader. You and I feel probably the same way about somebody that we see using their power abusively. Let me get that wicked guy out of here. Get that gal out of that position. Knowing, verse 9, that your master also is in heaven. And here it is. Neither is there respect of persons with him. God's not going to show you and I favor for a master. A master is just as much as a sinner and needs to be saved as a servant. And God isn't going to be bribed by you saying, well, I'm a leader down here. I'm a master down here. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. You're not going to be given a pass to heaven because you're a master down here on earth. 
and you're not going to be cast into hell because you were a servant down here on earth. Because none of that matters to God. What matters is you've sinned, you've come short of his glory, and you're not going to bribe him with your position down here. James 2. Uh, James 2, verse number 1. My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment. And watch this. And ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here into my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? God's 100% impartial. It's completely impossible for us to be 100% impartial all the time as noted by what's going on here. People are getting treated differently based on their raiments, the clothing that they're wearing, their possessions. Oh, man, don't we just love to respect the rich man and despise the poor man? What if, <laughs> look, if hard work was the key to being rich, then all construction guys would be multimillionaires. I mean, those guys work. All dirt work guys would be multi-billionaires. Hard work. Two men do the same work. God's going to give out the increase. It's just the way it goes. Opportunity is different for each person. You and I can't go to God and say, look at me, God. I'm rich. You should give me favor. God's saying no. Everybody should be treated equally in the regard of it's a soul that is just as much as a sinner. This isn't a verse that's telling you to just throw your brain out and just let everybody have at it. It's not what God's saying. He's saying somebody comes into the church and they got a $10,000 suit on and the next man that comes in his jeans are falling apart. His jacket has holes in it. And he hasn't had a haircut in four months. God says, you treat those men on equal footing. They're both sinners and they're both going to need the, the gospel. Or they're both saved men and they're both going to need some spiritual truth. And that's what God expects. Don't not respect somebody because they don't have social stats. I'm an influencer. I've got social status. And people do respect that. You just can't bribe God with that. I've got a million watchers on YouTube. Don't go to God and try to use that. Don't come in here and try to use, well, I'm, I'm a big wig, so I should be a big wig here. How about, no. How about you just come in and be a little wig? <laughs> okay. Well, I, you know, I, I can flash and cash people. Okay, great. You can flash and cash people, but you're not going to be in charge of um, money here just because you're flashing people with cash. It's not the way it works. This idea in churches that, well, the big giver should be in charge because that'll keep them giving. Where is that in the Bible? That's called being a respecter of persons. And where is it in the Bible or well, the little giver? We just got to make sure that we uh, don't give them a, a 
all of that is man being impartial. And God says, don't do it. He doesn't respect any of that. There are spiritual qualifications for spiritual leaders that have nothing to do with money. Anybody ever read Richard Yerby's books? All right, well, they're going to be in the library. Those books are worth reading. Now, that, that guy, he gets it. He don't have a lot of money. I'm saying that because some of the most poor people have some of the most powerful spiritual meat for you to chew on. It's not about money. It's not about social status. It's not about making that judgment. None of that matters to God. Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, verse 5, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him. But ye have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats. And so we're not going to judge someone coming to the assembly that has goodly apparel and hold him in higher status than someone that has the vile raiment. That's not what we're about. That's not what God's about. We all heard, go to first Samuel. Let's go back to first Samuel chapter 16, because the Lord seeth not as man seeth, which is kind of this idea behind uh, why we shouldn't judge according to clothing. But get first Samuel chapter 16, first Samuel chapter number 16. The cry from the church of Laodicea is, well, the outward don't matter. God just sees your heart. And uh, he does see your heart. It's just that he doesn't agree with your conclusion after you draw it from reading this passage. So let's kind of see what the passage means. First Samuel chapter 16, verse number seven, the Bible says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Well, one thing that we see from this passage is it's quite obvious that man looketh on the outward appearance, which would tell us we should probably take care of the outward appearance because that's where man looks. And he doesn't say that's a bad thing. He just says that God doesn't look that way. And if God was okay with, well, it just doesn't matter. None of the outward matters. Then why did he tell them, hey, those those aprons that you made of fig leaves, they ain't enough. <laughs> because he's looking at the outward and he's making a judgment and he's putting out a decision. I'm going to give you some more to put on. So this idea of this church of Laodicea that says, well, you can't judge me because God, he, he just looks on the heart. He doesn't just look on the heart. You don't have enough clothes on. And so when a preacher preaches about modesty or, or covering up, well, God just looks in the heart. Why are you judging me? Why are you looking on the outward? Because the outward matters. And that's what man sees. And God said, hey, back in Genesis, I'm going to help you out. I'm going to give you what you ought to be wearing. There's a principle there that's pretty clear. Matthew 5, but I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, have committed adultery with her already in his heart. You know what's connected to the heart? The looking, the lusting, the outward. And we all, we know ultimately it's a hard issue. You can be perfectly crafted on the outside 
and be as lost as the devil. But to say that the outward doesn't matter is a real, real far stretch. It ain't going to get you saved, but it's a far stretch to say that we should be concerned about that. Because God in his Bible lays out principles that says you should be concerned. In Isaiah 47, he says, don't uncover the, the thigh. He, he calls that, that would be nakedness. Well, all that matters is the heart. Well, apparently God said more matters than just the heart. Outward stuff matters and God judges those things and he wants us to judge them as well. We really need in our nation a revolt against sin. We need a revolt against worldly living for Christians to live as Christians. We go out and we sow seed to this lost and dying world. We want to give them gospel tracts about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what they need. How to be saved. We need more tracts for Christians to live like Christians. Well, God's not going to judge me. It's just my heart that matters. Well, if your heart matters so much to the Lord, then take care of some outward stuff. Why is it a problem? Spurgeon said this, if a man rolled on a bed of spices, you would soon know where he had been. And if a man went with Jesus, he must be perfumed with the spirit of Jesus. <laughs> that was a pretty good quote. That was Spurgeon. All right, back to Romans chapter number two. So God is no respecter of persons concerning nations, church leaders, even people coming into church. And in Romans chapter number two, he's basically substantiated every single charge against man with clear, undeniable proof, proof that he cannot be bribed and that all are sinners. Verse number nine, uh, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil of the Jew first and also of the Gentile tribulation and anguish. God's judgment is going to be passed upon all. It doesn't matter, Jew or Gentile. The sentence is going to be a final sentence. It's going to come from the Supreme Court. There's no overturning it. There's no arguing with it. There's no getting an appeal. That's what God says, and that's what God is going to do. Doth God pervert judgment or doth the Almighty pervert justice? That's what the Bible says. No, he doesn't. Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. Even back in Leviticus, the Old Testament, shall do no unrighteousness in judgment, shall not respect the persons of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shall thou judge thy neighbor. Even the Old Testament concerning your neighbor and concerning judgments, there was unrighteousness going on, and God wants it done righteously. He's the judge to do it, and you ain't going to earn his respect by trying to drive them out. Second Samuel 14 and Romans 10. Second Samuel 14 will do first and Romans chapter number 10. Joab is going to advise this woman of Tekoa to tell King David a made up story so Absalom can be brought back to Jerusalem and she's going to argue not to delay this decision because life is uncertain and in verse number 14 it says for we must needs die, and as water split on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again, 
neither doth God respect any person. Yet doth he devise means that his banished be not expelled from him. We really use pride as the calculator to add everything up in our life to be able to say, look, God, look at my life. This is what we constantly have to talk lost people out of. We should really use the measuring stick of God's word that shows that we're all sinners. But we must needs die. So this argument she's using is. You got one of three ways, I guess. Some type of sickness hits you. just die um you just die you know suddenly something drastic and then boom done or as the flower fades away i mean you just old age it's, it's gonna take you out everybody's gonna die life is uncertain this is why it's high time now to want to do something for god which cannot be gathered up it's going to be once you die, that's it. You're either going to have the resurrection of life or you're going to have the resurrection of damnation. But it's either one or another, because as a point on the man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. So you've got one of two choices. You can be gathered up to eternal life now, but after you die, that's it. There's no gathering that water back. It's not bringing it back together. You're going to be either entirely lost or you're going to be entirely saved. Why? Neither doth God respect any person. What are you telling God day after day? If you're not saved, what are you telling him day after day that's preventing you from getting saved? And he says, is banished, be not expelled from him. Genesis 3, they were banished from the garden. We as sinners were enemies of God, were banished from his presence. Yet he sent Jesus Christ pay that debt so that we can be reconciled to god you're going to die waters aren't going to be gathered up again it's either going to be one thing at that point resurrection of life or resurrection of damnation romans 10 romans 10 verse 12 romans chapter 10 verse 12 for there is no difference between the jew and the greek for the same lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We see without the law, you perish. That's a Gentile. Why? The wages of sin is death. With the law, as a Jew, you perish. Why? The wages of sin is death. And there's no difference. If you're a Jew that sinned under the law, or if you're a Gentile that sinned without the law, there's no difference. But if you call upon him, the Lord, it says in verse 12, is rich unto all that would call upon him. If you're in a forest, it's pitch black, it's the middle of the night, you're lost, you're deep in the, in the forest. There's no full moon. You have no light at all. And you can't see anything. If there was a little flicker or glimmer of lights, you would figure out a way to press toward it. You'd be drawn toward it. You'd try, you would get to it if you wanted light. You just need one flicker. And if it's pitch black, you're going to find it.
But if you're deep in that forest and there's a flicker of light and you can care less about light, you're just going to draw deeper back into that pitch black forest because you don't want light. <laughs> you don't want it. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Just a little bit of light, a flicker of it. All you got to do is just be drawn to it. A little bit of light, God's going to give you more if you just accept the light that he gives you. What is the Jew in need of? Not to try to earn God's respect. What is the Gentile in need of? Not to earn God's respect. They're in need of the gospel. And that gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Anything else, God's not going to respect you as a person. He sent his son to die for you. All your worth and value and merit can be found in the person of Christ. If you would just accept the life. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.